Hello and welcome to Men in Charge. I'm Kevin Decker. And I'm Tony Flynn. Today's episode is Season 10, Episode 24. So we're getting to the end, much like when seafarers, before globes were invented, would drop off the edge of the earth, screaming. But today's episode is Our Kids think we're virgins. Yeah, our kids do think that. I don't know their reasons for it because that would involve communicating with them and I'm just not going <laughs> to I'm it's, not going to stoop to that. It's best not to engage no. with one's offspring. Absolutely. It's true. But given this thought, I was wondering if in fact it's true. If our kids have it right, maybe we are virgins. Well, first of all, I think some famous philosopher once said simply saying something can make it so. So there's that. But also, I wonder how it could be true if we have kids. You mean um, we might not have kids? We might not there, have kids. There we go. Our kids might have been adopted, but we didn't know that they were adopted. Usually, it's the kid that doesn't know. But as long as there's somebody who doesn't know, it could be made to work. A lot of things happen on Sunday afternoon when you're sleeping. Tony and I have, have both served many tours of duty in Asia for various volunteering to be soldiers. Yeah, only so. when saying it makes it so. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> Otherwise right. not. Yeah. But to return to that philosophical apprehension, it is true that saying it brings it to mind. Mm -hmm. And if you were to check the neuron paths, the synaptic leaps, the same areas of the brain lighten up in memory of uh, an experience and also imagining it. So for all we know, nothing has ever happened. That's right. And if we were trapped in a closet, we could easily be convinced of that <laughs> because there would be no contradictory evidence. And we were, and we didn't even know the time right. or the place. I think the philosophical weight here, Tony, is on the idea of what is a parent and what is the definition of their biological child in the same way that uh, someone might ask a Supreme Court candidate, what is a woman, right? (laughs) uh, You know, can we get to the heart of these relationships? Is it merely DNA or is there something more involved? Well, I was never able to answer that question of what a woman is or what a man is or really what my address is. (laughs) And the phone company had my social security number wrong. But one thing that's kind of related to the topic, a garbage truck uh, ripped out my internet cable as it drove by. It's only the second time in four years, so I'm probably overreacting. Right, Kevin? Uh, No, that's way too often. An enormous garbage truck, I can only imagine. Maybe the tires were inflated too much, so it was elevated beyond a reasonable height. It it was one of those high rider ones that has the shocks that can be adjusted when the radio is on loud. Or perhaps people haven't put out enough garbage, so it was riding too high. There you go. That's probably the most likely So people, at least if you live on my street... Throw some bricks in there. Yeah, do. By the way, Tony, you have a regular radio in your house by which you can listen to Men in Charge, so you're not dependent upon the streaming aspect of our program. Is that right? Um, <laughs> that's right. So but, I'll be able to hear it, record, edit, produce, upload. No. So, so Men in Charge is officially ending after this episode. Uh, for Tony, at least. And for the rest of you, probably get a real radio in your house in case that garbage truck comes around. 
Well, Kevin, we're well overdue for talking about the show today. We have three very fine segments coming right up. The first one is Dan Blanche Football Shakedown. This is the triumphant return to teaching of Dan Blanche, if right. I recall. He's been in and out of Lower Heights Prison. For no particular reason. For no particular reason, and probably will be again. But in this particular segment, at the school at which Dan is teaching, it turns out that while there's no money for academics, there's plenty for football, but more is needed. So the teachers are required to empty their pockets. The coach comes by and let the violent tithing begin. Mm-hmm. Next, we have another interview with Roger Baseman and his show, What's New With You? This is uh, about a real estate thesaurus, a book that I think Roger says at the beginning is probably one of the last books that needed to be published, but was anyway. And it was self-published. So there's that. <laughs> that says it all. Mm-hmm. Listen and take notes. Finally, we return to the adventures of Johnny Hambone with his associate Big Nell, Mm -hmm. the most resourceful of all Lower Heights prison work release inmates. They're trying to stop the syndicate of rich white moms in uh, Upper Lower Heights. And Tiffany, the leader, is about to have Johnny and Big Nell put into a helicopter and dropped off into the ocean. I just want to point out that this Johnny Hambone has a new theme song, and I think it's by Hans Zimmer, because he now does all the theme songs (laughs) for everything. Everywhere. And now, the continuing adventures of Dan Blanche, Lower Heights Community College's most recently rehired adjunct writing instructor, whose only real life is his student's future. After a succession of professional and romantic failures, Dan found himself arrested and jailed for no apparent reason beyond native passivity and a sense of bewilderment. After the law firm of Richard J. Garlick and daughters got Dan sprung from jail, Garlick somehow collected all the damages from Dan's false arrest judgment for himself, so Dan has had to content himself with a return to his adjunct writing instructor job. We join Dan now in his first day back in class after several years. Come on, everyone. Let's get settled. Mr. Blanche? Mr. Blanche? What's prison like? Trevor, that's just a little bit really off topic. Now, we're starting a unit today on writing arguments, so... But Mr. Blanche, we all heard that you just got out of prison. So what was that like? Did you get a shiv? Show us a shiv! Show us a shiv! mean it. Settle down. And it was jail, not prison. What's the difference between prison and jail? Which one's better? And how did you get out? Did you escape? If you escaped from jail, then shouldn't we report you? I didn't escape. I was released. Now let's bring this lively, inquiring energy to something purposeful. Like writing. Open your books. I mean, that is... Go to your textbook's website on your phones and click on Chapter 3. Mr. Blanche, I'm kind of in the middle of gaming right now. It's the new Worlds of Wizards and Warriors, so I first need to get to the next level, or I'll need to start all over again. Come on, Trevor. Great. Another late student. Come in. Hello, everyone. I'm Jill Pillbox, athletic director, and this is Max Bruski, head coach. How's everyone today? Uh, 
We're in the middle of class here. They're great. That's great. Say hello, coach. Hello. Now, class, say hello to Coach Brewski here. Uh, oh, yes. That's how you greet the man who recently led us to near victory over Lower Polytech? Come on, you can do better than that. Try again. Good morning, Coach Brewski. Good morning, Coach Brewski. Wait, what's all this about? I'm trying to teach here. Good for you. But the football program is in a crisis situation and... You could just say crisis. Situation is understood. Well, then I'm glad you understand. We're in a crisis situation. You see, athletics has a revenue problem, not a spending problem, because we're short on funds. It gets worse every year. Weird, right? And deficit spending can take us only so far. Interesting. But as I said, we're in the middle of class, so... Does everything always have to be about class? No. Well, class has to be about class. And football has to be about football, which doesn't pay for itself, does it, Coach Brewski? No. So that's why we're here, to deal with football's revenue problem. Now, Coach Brewski is going to walk through the rows to personally greet each one of you with one of his meaty handshakes. And when he does that, make sure his palm meets up with whatever cash or coins you have on hand. Uh, I don't have any cash on me. Not a problem. Just give him your debit or credit card. Don't forget to include the PIN number. And we'll get back to you, possibly by the end of the day. Uh... Okay. No, not okay, Miss Pillbox. For some bizarre reason, students already contribute to football with their tuition. What you're doing is further extortion. Plus, I am in the middle of class. It's only extortion if the students balk at contributing so that Coach Brewski has to threaten them physically. And you don't want it to come to that, do you? Uh... No, but... Good! Then let's not make any trouble about this, okay? Again, not okay. Come on! Think of it as tithing. You know, like giving a hefty amount every Sunday to the church of your choice. Actually, I'm thinking of it as a shakedown. Well, (laughs) for every shakedown, we get a touchdown. Yeah! Plus, if you add in tithing... We get even more touchdowns. Again. Yeah. Am I right, class? I don't know, man. But but all I have is my lunch money. So you miss lunch today. Or for a few days. Is that a tragedy? Will it kill you? No. Ever hear of budgeting? Dieting? A little going without? Kids today. I don't know. I just don't know. And I don't even go to the football games. You don't? You don't? You're gonna wish you hadn't admitted that. Coach, take her phone, too. (gasps) Okay, Jill. Hey! But you've used up too much of our time here already, kids. We have a lot of other classes to visit. Everything can't all be about you. 
Now empty those pockets, those purses, and backpacks so that you'll be ready as Coach Brewski comes by with his meaty handshake. That's all the time we have now for the adventures of Dan Blanche in Football Shakedown. Tune in again next time when we'll hear Athletic Director Jill Pillbox say... What? Two dollars? That's all you've got in your wallet, Dan? Pathetic. Take his watch, Coach, and keep searching him. It's time once again for What's New With You, with me, your host, Roger Basement, winner of 11 awards for just showing up. Please, please, thank you. Set aside your adulation for just a moment, listener, so that we may welcome this week's guest, Panzer Lupin, author of The Thesaurus of Real Estate, out next week in print form. Nice to be here, Roger. Thanks for having me on. But why are we broadcasting from your basement? Shouldn't we be at the studio? You raise interesting, though embarrassing questions, Panzer, so let's change the subject. Let me take a turn embarrassing you. It seems to me that of all the books that still need to be written, a thesaurus of real estate might not be that close to the top. Why now? And actually, just why? Well, uh, here, uh, this is from yesterday's real estate section of the Lower Heights Sentinel. Come check out this two-bed, two-bath charmer. It may have seen the better days, but it's truly brimming with potential. Bring your vision, creativity, and both of your biggest hammers. Sweat equity means money in your pocket down the road, and so on. Yes, well? Well... If we were to translate that using my real estate thesaurus, what it's really saying is something like, Sure, the previous owner apparently kicked dozens of holes in the sheetrock. Why? Who cares? It's your problem now, new homeowner. And brimming with potential? (laughs) To the careful listener, brim suggests liquid of some sort, as in, fill my cup to the brim, right? And what kind of liquid might we be referring to in a house with giant kicked-in holes in the walls uh, and God knows where else? Watery liquid? Ah, yeah, and it's attended the mold, mildew, stench, toxins, rot, decay, and roof leaks. Pretty watery, I'd say. And uh, here's another one. Come see the amazing million-dollar views from your deserving little piece of paradise. First, million-dollar views? Come on. See, what we do here in the thesaurus is provide folks with a precise breakdown of what views are actually worth and from what window. A view of your neighbor's busted lawnmower out of your guest bedroom is worth at most about $12 and probably 83 cents. And the view out the upstairs bathroom with Privacy glass is just a vague, blurry vision of a rotating neon signs that buzzes. The priciest view possible, unobstructed, of the ocean, even through a large living room window, is worth a maximum of... Uh, Tough to get to a million bucks, even with lots of windows. Yep. Actually, 
not even close. Most folks around here, as you know, Roger, don't live near any ocean either, Pacific or Atlantic. Point taken. Now, <clears throat> what do you make of this listing? First time on the market in 40 years. Hurry! Come check out this old world charmer with original features, including a huge front porch to enjoy your morning coffee, hundred-year-old orchard in a large private backyard, updated crown molding, and plenty more. Sounds good to me. Well, original features probably refer to dangerous old wiring, inefficient windows, a wheezing, dying furnace, and warped floorboards. Most fruit trees are dead once they reach a 75, much less 100 years old. And large private backyard just might suggest that your next-door neighbor is a fenced-off, gray cement private prison for high-level drug offenders with dozens of German shepherd guard dogs ready to rip your throat out. You can even tell the dog breed from large private yard? It's a very accurate thesaurus. And Old World Charmer? Don't get me started on the charms of the Old World. My God, most folks had lost their teeth before they were out of puberty. The rats were as big as a house. And by the time you'd turned 40, you'd been dead for a decade. That's the charm of the Old World. Look it up. But nobody has to buy these houses. Well, of course not. But real estate language is very seductive. True, some people... <clears throat> True, some folks might be a bit overly credulous, but why would someone replace the original crown moldings? Termites as big as your fist, usually. And while we're at it, what do you suppose a dinning room is? I've seen that on more than one real estate ad. Pretty sure they mean dining room. <laughs> it means really noisy room overlooking the freeway. You're just trying to depress everyone, aren't you? Not necessarily. Think of my thesaurus as like a dinosaur, really big, but with an actual brain. So instead of just the single words or phrases like fixer-upper or territorial view, which we do include, we offer whole phrase real estate deconstruction and answers to rhetorical real estate questions that are so common like, what's not to like? Ha! You'd be surprised how many things there aren't to like about phrases like renovate to your heart's content, brand new sump pump, or bring your creativity. Ha! More like uh, bring your gas mask, rubber gloves, your wellies, and all the checkbooks you can get your hands on. Anyone buying or selling a house right now needs a copy of my Thesaurus of Real Estate. Now only $19.99, for a limited time only. By which you mean available probably for years, given how many copies are sitting around in your basement? <laughs> so, Roger, you think you can out-thesaurusize me, Look around your basement. It's wet. The real estate agent said this house was near water, right? Uh... Yes, but... And the water's rising. I'm out of here, and I'm taking my thesaurus copies with me. But but I have bay windows upstairs. Which is where I'm heading now, listener. This is Roger Baseman, signing off from my last basement broadcast.
Ow! Stupid soggy light switch. Hello, this address Onopolis, time-traveling Greek soldier. Many in charge. Reason why Trojan War actually fought. And now it's time for Johnny Hambo, podcast from the hammock. As you'll remember from last time, Johnny Hambo, library bouncer, was on prison work to help his former cellmate, Big Nell, address the extortion threats of a criminal organization of suburban white moms. Unfortunately, Johnny's failures persist. The suburban white mom's ringleader, Tiffany, trailed Johnny through the woods to his lair where he hangs his hammock. Intimidated by her spray tan and her drunken air of entitlement, Johnny and Big Nell lose their opportunity to roll Tiffany up in his hammock and dangle it high in a tree. Meanwhile, one of Tiffany's syndicate's helicopters hovers overhead. As I said at the end of the previous episode, Johnny, that helicopter is coming to take you and Big Nell out of town. Way out of town. (laughs) Don't worry, it's sure to... Drop us off somewhere. Yeah... We remember, Tiffany. We've been right here, same as you. Anyway, you won't need to pack anything because you won't need anything where you're going to be dropped off. And you certainly won't need your hammock, Johnny. That's not my hammock. That's not anyone's hammock. It's not even a hammock. It is too, you big dumb dope. Wrong again, Tiffany. Well, not entirely wrong, Johnny. Big Nell, I could use your support here. My confidence flags when I'm insulted by shiny women. Sorry, Johnny. You can do this. Throw a little Sartre her way. I don't know where you think I've wandered when you talk about me like this. No wonder you can't lay a finger on my extortion racket. Okay. Here goes. You see, Tiffany... As John Paul Sartre argued it being in nothingness, nausea, and hairnet of destiny, objects are defined by their use, not by any provisional label. So I'm using this canvas and rope stuff as something to stuff under my shirt and into my trousers. I'm not using it as a hammock, so it's not a hammock. Well... What are you using it for, then, Johnny? Nothing at all happens inside that martini swamp you call a brain, does it, Tiffany? Johnny just said what he uses it for. To make himself look grotesque and horrifying in the woods to scare away predators and children. Actually, I remember him saying he wanted to be lumpy or something. I think she's breathed in too much of her spray tan, Big Nell. Speaking of which, Tiffany, give me that silly little clutch purse. Hey, give that back! My little dog is in there! We'd have found it by now if that were true. 
And we're taking this can of caramel, caramel self-tanning mist, too. Well, at least give me back my phone. She's a lot less intimidating without her little clutch purse. Isn't she, Big Nell? I've suddenly lost all the respect for her I never had in the first place. Who cares? I've never held either of you in especially high regard. Now, my phone? Sure. But first, your phone is looking a little pale. Maybe a little spray tan? Here you go. You've gone and made it all slippery with that tanning spray. This phone is useless now. Damn you, Johnny Hambone and Big Nell. You people have no respect for material things. Now you'll have to lend me one of your phones. What makes you think we even have phones? Didn't you say we have no respect for material things? I have a whole sack of phones in my backpack, but they're not mine, so I don't really have the right to lend you one. Too bad, huh? Fine. If that helicopter runs out of fuel waiting for me to call and tell it where to land, and it crashes, killing everyone on board, well, then that's on you. You can be the ones to call their families. And when the FAA gets done with you two, well... Geez, Big Nell, I hadn't figured on the FAA angle. Or the fiery deaths. Okay, Tiffany, have one of these. But don't get it all greasy. Spoils the street value. See you around, Tiffany. Wait, wait, don't go yet. I haven't told the helicopter pilot where to land and collect you. We're not actually that interested in being collected by your gang of black-clad professional assassins, Tiffany. Well, that's just rude, Big Nell. Do you have any idea how expensive those guys are? And you should at least be willing to meet them. Don't be so quick to judge. Make up some sort of excuse for us so that their feelings aren't hurt. Besides... The nearest clearing that's large enough for your helicopter to land is a mile away. I just don't feel like hiking that far. Neither do I, especially not with this canvas rope thing that's not a hammock shoved into my clothes. And look at you, your second pair of John Vito Rossi Rania crystal embellished mesh pumps would be ruined in five minutes. You wouldn't be able to keep up. No, Tiffany. It just wouldn't work. But please, please, give me another chance. I know. The pilot can lower a ladder or a hook or something to pick you up right here. Strike team four, strike team four. This is Tiffany. Ping on this signal and lower the hook. You'll like the hook. It's attached to a very strong cable. See? What did I tell you? An excellent hook. Now, hop on. Both of you. Just slip the pointy part under your belt or something. And that's all the time we have now for Johnny Hambone's Podcast from the Hammond. Tune in again next time when we'll hear Big Nell say... I don't think so, Tiffany. That hook looks a little oily to me might stain.
Kevin, it's time to thank our cast, Davis Hill, Ann Porter, Nancy Roth, Steve Lloyd, Miranda Lloyd, Faith Lloyd, Tony Flynn, Kevin Decker, and Rennie Yara. We'd also like to thank the Bad Plus for our theme song, and we'd like to do a special shout-out to the young heirs to the Hager fortune, Maureen Hager's sons, who have been on our cast once or twice, and we want to make sure that they get the credit they deserve. We'd also like to thank the people who bring us tissues for our victories. Vern Wyndham, Carrie Boyce, Nancy Roth, Nisha Schramm, Savannah Esty, and the man who calls 911 just to chat, Brian Lindsay. 